0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE cancel service. Remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24 full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Hello and welcome to the Managing major Podcast. This is your host Kian Sobani. I am thrilled to be here today with you guys, joined by absolutely nobody but myself to do this solo mailbag. And we do this about, I'd say, four times a year, so seasonally, I guess. Where I'll go through, I'll do a solo mailbag, answer questions from you guys, and it's a ton of fun. The feedback has been good on these things. Um, I'm, you know, and and it's certainly therapeutic for me to kind of just talk through these questions with you guys. In conjunction to these mailbags, you know, we do written stuff. So I do my written mailbag. I try to do them monthly lately. I've been focusing my book a little bit, so I've taken a break from columns and and mailbags a little bit. But I'll have a big column coming your way this week. And uh, for those of you on Reddit, I, uh, the i A I'm just subreddit will be bringing me on at some point. I think maybe December if we can iron it up. Maybe late November. I'm not sure. Um, and so if you're on Reddit, you can do an. You can ask me questions on the AMA there when that's announced. I'm also going to do a shock in-person meetup in Spain in the next couple weeks. And I don't, I've never done this and I'm like low-key terrified, but I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm working at this spot in Madrid all day. Come say hi, take a picture. I just, I've never met any of you guys. And and so I, I always wanted to be able to kind of connect a little bit closer. So I'm going to be doing that at some point. I guess look at look out for it on Twitter or Instagram, at Keon, so I'm, if you don't already follow me. I think we're just going to jump right into it, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, and that's why we decided to put out a call for questions. I mean, we had the UEFA Nations League, obviously, uh, but if you're looking for Spain, the breakdown for Spain, um, their loss to Croatia, which was a complete gong show, that match. We actually did a podcast for our patrons on Churrosy Tacticas, so... Patreon.com slash ChurrosyTacticas. Diego and I did a post-game show there. We'll be doing a Spanish football mailbag tomorrow. Um, That's open to everybody. And obviously, you know, today we we saw England, a couple of crazy games. England beating Croatia. um, Two late goals. And then the 85th minute goal by Harry Kane. That was a really fun game. Um, And then you had... Switzerland coming back and absolutely blitzing Belgium, which is like you know, Shaqiri was a man possessed in that game, and so I mean, you know, kudos to UEFA, really, really uh, kicked it up a notch with this international football, abolishing, well, not abolishing, but replacing a lot of friendlies with the UEFA Nations League. It's been fun. All right, first patron question is from Ian Marley, and I'm actually going to read the first two questions um, together because they're connected. Ian Marley says, Hi guys, going back to the discussion we had earlier about Asensio's comments, I'd like to point out a stark contrast between him and a player like Mbappe. So during a match against Marseille a few weeks ago, despite being benched, he came onto the pitch, broke the deadlock, and assisted Draxler, winning the match for PSG. After the match, speaking to Canal Plus, he said, A great team relies on its leaders and they have to make a difference at key moments. I think I can take on that role, that, and I did it. End quote. For him to have such a mentality at this age, I'm really excited to see his evolution as a player. Okay, more of a comment. Next question is from Sajid Reyes. Sajid says, I've been listening to the fallout after Asensio's comments, especially Lucas's outbursts. Let me begin by saying that it was indeed a timid statement to make, but did it warrant that type of reaction? And even in the show, you guys just concluded that he's a sheep and not a lion in terms of character. Have we forgotten everything he's done in the past? I can just point out that he scored a goal against Bayern in the Champions League semifinal in extra time when we had Ronaldo free on goal but chose to dribble past Mats Hummels and score from a tight angle. If that's not being ballsy, I don't know what is. And of course, previously, he's been accused of being selfish and trying to score from ridiculous angles. And now, after just one interview, he's the complete opposite. Okay, so I think, going back to what Ian says, and... And um, not to belittle Asensio by any means, but just to kind of maybe throw some praise at the attitude and the confidence that is required from from great players, because you can tell me, you can talk to me about the greatness of players like Cristiano Ronaldo and Raúl and these guys, and I'd say about half of it is talent, and at at least at least half is mental, and that's I think. The main point that we tried to make on the podcast it's like and and by the way Sajid the concluding thought I, I don't think anybody said on the podcast that we concluded that he's a, a sheep and not a lion I f- correct me if I'm wrong if someone else on the podcast said it maybe I'd tune it out I don't know I don't think so but my conclusion is and I and I circled back to this later in the podcast and I said look he's scored in Champions League finals before so in the end, I care about what he does on the pitch unless about what he says off the pitch. Now, it, that doesn't mean to say what you say off the pitch is totally without rep- repercussions. Obviously, sometimes things linger. Ultimately, we just want trophies and want players to succeed on the pitch. And Asensio has done that quite well up until, I'd say, this season, which he hasn't really shown his form from... Um, from prior, I mean, he's he's had glimpses of it, like the, he's had the two goals against Croatia, and he's had some glimpses of, of brilliance, but he hasn't been his last season form. Um, but but going back to what Ian said, and kind of what Mbappe said in, during that game, and and this is and also what Lucas said. I'm I'm not sure if I would categorize <laughs> Lucas' tweets as outbursts, but what Lucas mentioned in this article that he wrote when he posted those quotes and he posted a quote about Raul at the age of 18 i believe it was and i and i've written about that very quote in length in my raul article um that i wrote last year was that he would at the age of 18 he he would say i'm put me in immediately don't bring me on this trip um to this away game to make my debut if you're not going to play me because i should be on the pitch and i'm the guy who's going to get you the goals and turns out he was. And, 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 and our point was that you would never hear Raul say something like this, even at the age of 22. Because at the age of 22, he was already one of the best forwards on earth. So, and, and he always had that leadership quality about him. So I think that's all it is, Sajid. And in the end, when I concluded my thoughts on the Asensio thing, my conclusion was basically all I care about is what he, is what he does on the pitch. Um, Sajid also goes on to ask Also curious to know why Solari benching Isco is a statement If that same thing happened with Bale It would be a travesty and coach would be given grief for it Because quite frankly Bale is now arguably the player Who's been in the worst run of form but gets a free pass I feel like if we're going to judge players on merit and current form It has to be applied across the board Because as much as we know Bale can be a top 5 player When on form etc So can other players like Isco yeah, I, I uh, if if Solari benched Bale at this point, I, I certainly wouldn't think... Um, I wouldn't be outraged at all. I think he would send a good message and a good statement to Gareth Bale. Um, in the end, I think there's a lot of players who are out of form right now, whether it's Bale, Asensio, or Isco. Um, and out of form is always relative to what we know they're capable of. So they can... Out of form for them means... Maybe they don't play terrible. maybe they have a couple of nice sequences and a couple of nice flicks, a couple of nice passes, cross field switches, maybe a couple of nice key passes through balls, defensive interventions. But relative to know what we what relative to what we know they're capable of, it's still not what we expect what we expect from them, and that's kind of what out of form really means in this context, whereas like I think other players. I think maybe have excelled, like Danny Ceballos, who's had a breakout year. Um and also just compared to what we know Bale did earlier this season, he was on fire and we really need that that Bale consistently out there because we don't really have that goal scorer anymore. So Saji to be clear, I I I would I would have had the same reaction if Bale was benched. Rafael Servia says Hey guys, I want to hear your thoughts on the 3-5-2 using the players we have available right now. With Casemiro out for a while, I think now would be a good chance to experiment a bit with Yorente and or Sabio's in that role. While Ceballos, in my opinion, had a good game last week, I don't think that it's his strongest position. However, if that's the case, what other formations would you suggest? So, 3-5-2 is something that I've always been intrigued by in a Real Madrid context like we know we've seen it work in other teams it's nothing new um we we've only seen it in Real Madrid in situations where it didn't make sense and it's typically been throwing Casemiro back there which is like you know him in that position it's it's just he's not a good enough distributor to play that role and he's not a it's it and we've seen like we have the sample size when he does play that role, it's just been a disaster, and it started with Balaidos and Celta a couple years ago in the Copa, and we've seen it sporadically. We saw it against Tottenham briefly; it was a disaster. Um, I th- we saw, I guess, Classico was the most recent example, but that's really not his fault because that entire the entire team was it, that, that entire night was a nightmare for obvious reasons. Um. The three-five-two does intrigue me though, and here's why. And and um and a player I guess you didn't mention Rafael is Jesus Fayejo, where he was he's essentially built to be a player in that kind of scheme, and he was brilliant with Frankfurt playing on the left side of a three-five-two, as the central defender. That is not as the wing back, obviously. <clears throat> brilliant distributor, distributor, can play vertical passes, comfortable as a ball carrier. I'd love to see a world where we where we just and I don't think we would see this much, <clears throat> if at all. And I think part of that is because we have so many midfielders that Solari or whoever the coach is here would want to squeeze in, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that we probably wouldn't see it much. But if we did experiment with it, I would love to to see a test run with Ramos, Varane, and Vallejo. And if Casemiro is healthy, I mean, it can be Casemiro as the anchor in front of them, that's fine. Marcelo and Carvajal are, would be perfect wingbacks. Uh I think Microsoft can play the anchor role just fine, but if you really wanted to be daring, you could go, you know, you could go with a, a different approach and go and just pack the midfield with with Fede Valverde and or Sabayos Kros Modric. I think it would work. I I'm intrigued, Rafael, I always have been by this. Unfortunately we've never seen it in using the its correct form, so I'm skeptical that we'll we'll ever see it. But um in terms of other formations that I would suggest, I don't know about suggestions, but um, I've always loved the 4-2-3-1. I think in rare moments we've seen it. We saw it with Zidane like last year against Sociedad. We saw it. Was it last season or two seasons ago where we saw it against Atletico? at the. Uh, I guess it was two seasons ago because it was at the Calderon. It was brilliant then. So anytime we've we've experimented with, with it under Zidane, which was very rare, I think we've looked good in it. And uh, I think if you have the right players in the right scheme, you can get away with a double pivot of Modric and Kroos or two box-to-box midfielders. And, and and oh, by the way, we also saw it in Paris, now that I think about it, last season with Casemiro and Kovacic, and it also looked great. So I would love to see more of the four two three one, Rafael. Oluwapa Mimo Rafael. Oluwapamimo says, what do you think about Ceballos, Marcos Llorente, and Modric or Kroos in a midfield trio? I'd love to see that. I, w- I wouldn't mind it. I, um we saw we saw um uh, Marcos Llorente, Ceballos, and Kovacic together last season in the Copa del Rey and it looked really and it was against Leganés and a couple other times before that but Le- Leganés was the game we got knocked out um and it looked really confusing and i think part of the reason was because Zidane really wanted Marcos Llorente to play like a cross or modric role where he's doing multiple things and he's not really an anchor he wasn't the central cog he was playing higher up the pitch which is not really his game um but i would i would love to see it in a more structured scheme and um uh but i you know it's 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 a it's obviously it's clear that Sabios can play with our general because 'cause we've seen that and marcos Llorente, god bless him because everybody knows I love him but we just we haven't seen much of him and i just do wonder at this point it's is um is he going to make it at Real Madrid? You know, I, I don't know. I, it's tough for him to break into this team right now, even with all the injuries, you know, it seems like Fede Alverde's probably ahead in the pecking order too, which is, which is fine because Fede is a great prospect. He's looked good in his cameo. Um, I'd also say what Marcos Yante I think, I, I believe he's only been playing 10 minutes in La Liga. We know he played in the Copa. Those 10 minutes were fantastic. And, um, I believe last time I check I believe he's like the only player in La liga to have a 100% pass completion rate throughout the season but that's also because he's only played 10 minutes but it was a great 10 minutes um I think we all remember I don't now I don't remember who it was against but I do remember that everybody was talking about those 10 minutes but I mean it's just it's 10 minutes so like what it's 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 obviously kind of like we're we're not being entirely serious when we say those 10 minutes you know earned him stuff because we also don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know what the training sessions are like. I mean, so the coach has the benefit of the doubt here. But yeah, I would love to see it. Sheikh Atiri says, was well, two questions. First question is, I like that the team is winning again, but I'm still skeptical that Solari can deliver. Where is Vallejo? Is he going to be the new Metzelder? So I will say, what Metzelder, like as many. I guess injuries as he had and like he was kind of sporadic with his playing time. He did, I thought he looked pretty solid anytime he played. Um, With Vallejo, like where is he now? The question was he, the answer was essentially that he was injured for a while. He's back in training with the team now. Um, I wrote an article about Vallejo and his injury concerns. If you go to my column section, which is if you just Google Keon's observations on Google, it'll take you to my entire like list of articles under my column. I think one or two columns ago, I wrote about Vallejo's injury and how frustrating it is for him. So go back and read that. Uh, Second question, just for fun, Shay says, who is the one really good player you'd give your own money not to ever see play for us? Given that I don't have that much money, Shay, I would probably never do this, but I mean, I have no idea. Like a, a young kid really has to be terrible for me not to want anything to do with him. Um, maybe feo Maybe? I, I, I have no idea. Time for, I'm going to try to take three non-guaranteed patron questions now. First one is Axel Montfort. He says, Hi guys, what do you think about Rodrigo's current development, given the recent comments of the Brazilian national team coach, who said that he was more mature than Vinicius? Um, and which one of those two gems would you bet on for Real Madrid's future if you had to choose one? Luckily, we won't have to make that choice. Uh, and will he arrive in January or next summer? A lot of people think he's coming in January. I don't know if that's going to happen. I also have no idea. Like, if, if you're struggling to play Vinicius right now and you throw in Rodrigo into the mix, I'm not sure what the point is. However, we also do know that the Brazilian season is way different than ours. You know, the schedule is entirely different. So, if it's a matter of he's not going to be doing anything, then you know it's it's not inconceivable to me. But I might if I had to bet on it, I'd probably say he's not coming as soon as January. Um, but who knows? The comment from the Brazilian national team coach, who's TT, obviously. Um, I'll just read it because I actually have it up here. Um, Vinicius has an incredible ability to attract the media he is extremely simple and calm at work but he fascinates the media um he is a great dribbler a lot of one-on-one but he lacks a little lucidity and and Rodrigo and then Titi goes on to say that Rodrigo has that aspect that Vinicius doesn't so he says Rodrigo has an impressive lucidity um Jair Ventura, who's the Corinthians coach, um, told me that he is like a veteran, that he's mature in decision-making. He gets between the lines, holds the ball, changes direction. If they give him space, he dribbles. Um, it's amazing how he makes decisions. His mental game is that of a player of, at the age of 25, but he does not have physical strength yet. Vinicius does, although he's more individualistic, but he seems to have a good head. He knows how to listen and evolve. I, From what I've seen from Rodrigo, and I did a huge deep dive on him for my article that I wrote, I think it was in August, uh, on Rodrigo Ghosh. I kind of came out with the same conclusion, to be honest. And I think, and it, the, if the question is, if you had to basically choose one, which you don't have to do at this point because you have both, um, and I don't know the answer to this because these things are impossible to prick no matter how much you think you have a good read on a player, the next year, it'll be completely different because you just don't know who's going to make it and who's not. And players can progress, players can regress. What I had kind of thought when I, after I finished, and I, this is like after a summer of also just watching a lot of film and doing research and analyzing both, I thought Rodriguez was slightly more promising to me than Vinicius Jr. I don't know if it's just his like pure pace. Vinicius has the pace, but Rodrigo is just like some kind of thunderbolt and like just scary in transition. And those those same concerns that Titi had also by like, his physical development, like those hold true, but he's also even younger than Vinicius, which is crazy. Um, I guess my answer, Axel, is um, I think he should be excited for Rodrigo Goiz. I think he's a really, really exciting player. Um, I think he's probably going to struggle in, in the slower-paced league when it comes to Spain. Because Brazil, there's a lot of counter-attacking opportunities. But just like raw talent. He's he's crazy good. Elian Zacco says, Do you really think that we will spend this summer... Uh, oh, sorry. Do you really think that we will spend this summer? I was listening to the Football Daily Pod. And Calderon came on and said that the new stadium is not needed. And it takes money that should be invested in players. So I just wanted to address this question because... Uh, if you don't know by now, and you should know, but if you don't know, just in case maybe you're a newer fan or you weren't around for the Ramon Calderon era, Ramon Calderon is a complete nutcase. And um, he is incredibly he's an incredibly corrupt human being and was an embarrassment in during his entire presidential tenure at Real Madrid. And since he was... Uh, he left in humiliating faction forced to resign because he was exposed for vote manipulation Uh, among other things he's just spent his time going on different media outlets and just criticizing Florentino Perez like a salty old man and he actually even has a twitter account where he tweets nonsense and he has like almost no followers which is crazy maybe people don't believe it's him but it's him uh, and I only know this because I've spoken to a few journalists who are like, yeah, that's that's him, and they're, they're well-connected to the club. Um, that's, I'm just throwing this out there. And the other thing I want to say is that the new stadium, really, like, it's not the, it's not directly correlated with how much Real Madrid can or cannot spend. The reason I say that is because they're getting this financed. The stadium's going to be financed. His like incredibly low interest rates relative to what Spain has had. Spanish banks have had in the past few years. So this was the time that Florentina Perez decided to go ahead with it because of the low interest rates. But also, it's being funded um, and and paid back, and also in in increments. And it's kind of like separate to the budget of the 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 financial budget for that they allocate for for uh for transfers and the other thing is that this stadium the goal of the stadium is actually to increase revenue it's not this like oh this shiny toy where like you just invest money and that's it poosh and like the money disappears it's projected to bring 125 million euros annually in revenue once it's completed so think about there's going to be like giant screens on the stadium do you know how much those advertisements are going to cost they're actually going to i think lose some like some retail spaces but be able to charge more and so their their revenue actually is going to go up like threefold it's not correlated with the spending so if 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 every a lot of people for some for whatever reason are convinced like this it, it goes hand in hand that Real Madrid are not spending money because the stadium it's not directly related this it's, a, it's an entirely different thing it, it it's not don't don't get so attached to that idea one more question and I'm out of here. Tapiwa Musa says, Any idea why Figo isn't regarded as highly among Madridistas? He's the man that coincided with my time I started supporting Real Madrid, so I have always had a special appreciation for him, but he is underrated purely because of his Barcelona ties. Yeah, Figo's case is interesting. Um, so I started watching F- Real Madrid... Uh, the first season I started watching football, our first year really was 98. So I caught the tail end of Real Madrid's Champions League run in the 7th, the Mihatovic goal. And that's, that's the year if you go back and our starting lineup was like mishmash of Roberto Carlos, Ciero, um Redondo, Seydorf. Um, Raul was in the team, but he wasn't really playing that much. Mihatovic, Morientes, these guys... Um, and then, and then I started watching the World Cup, and then not World Cup ninety eight, the Zidane two headers. So that was like the area that's of just like pure nostalgia for me. Is like you know those if you go back to those World Cup commercials of of Joga Bonito and the Brazilian national team team playing football in the airport with O G Ronaldo, Roberto Carlos, and all those guys. Um, but then, I guess. The Figo thing comes in because I also why I also grew up in that era, so I was supporting the team before Figo arrived. And then Figo arrives, you just this is this guy you just fall in love with because he has an immediate connection with Raúl. Um, he he plays phenomenally well in his first season. I would like people say that his best years were with Barcelona. I would argue that his very first season with Real Madrid, which was the year he won the Ballon d'Or, was his best year as a footballer ever. Ever Like, I have never seen somebody decide he wants to dribble past anyone he wanted to and just do it, like, without being stopped. Like, people were not physically able to stop him. Like, he was a monster on the flanks. He would dribble past people at will, and, it, like, aesthetically, very smooth footballer, great crosser, obviously great dribbler, can, can could finish, so he could chip in with goals from, like, he could cut inside, um, which is weird because he's a right-footer playing. He was like a very traditional right-footer, right winger. You, re- they really don't make him like make them like that, him anymore. Um, he was really special. He also left kind of unceremoniously, and that is not really unique to a lot of Real Madrid legends. I think, like, if you think back, Zidane is some kind of really, really amazing, special breed. He's a genius. He left on his own terms twice. He left money on the table as a player, had a farewell goodbye at the burnabout, cried as a player, left. Then left as a coach on his own terms, which like never happens. Um, Figo, in a way, like it was like so anticlimactic he left. But I think part of the reason was because he left really after his peak. Like his last one or two seasons with Real Madrid, he wasn't Figo anymore. He wasn't his unstoppable self. And and he kind of just left, and like one day he was gone, and like it, we just then it, it was like okay, Figo's gone, and then we moved on. It was weird. I I think it's also because you know, you know, a lot of people thought maybe he was he was here for the money or whatever, and and you know I've talked about this at length about Cristiano Ronaldo before, like that. I'm not saying Ronaldo was here for the money, but I've only talked about um, after you know, spending a lot of time in Madrid speaking to the the socios there, speaking with journalists there, that a lot of people in the city of Madrid never felt emotionally attached to Cristiano Ronaldo for whatever reason, um, whereas they did with other players like Raul. And and I think Fico kind of fit that bill. But I will say that Figo's been around. So like as a as a as a kind of like this alumni character, he's He's kind of like in that same mix of Roberto Carlos and O. G. Ronaldo and um who kinda of pop up, Beckham, who just kinda of pop up as these like unofficial ambassadors of the club and they're still around. So I, I would not be surprised if Figo at some point in maybe some some capacity does return to the club. I don't don't ask me what kind of capacity it is. Maybe it's an honorary role, maybe it's um maybe it's also just kind of Some kind of administrative role because we know he's been interested in running for the president of UEFA and he's he's interested in kind of getting into that aspect of the game. I think also now at this point, so much time has been removed from when he left that it's and we have so many new fans, it's hard for them to kind of connect, connect and bridge the gap gap between that era and this era. So I think that's probably why. I don't think it's because of his Barcelona ties at all. To be honest, I think if anything, him leaving Barcelona, coming to Real Madrid, augmented his legacy with Madridistas for obvious reasons because he's like the kind of guy who lied to Barcelona fans, left, kind of put a dagger in their hearts, and um, and created and cre- made himself make an, in, into like this immortal enemy forever. Uh, in the face of Barcelona fans and and kind of a hero to Real Madrid fans because he actually played really well for us. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like someone like Albert Salatis coming over. You know, like Figo really was like he was the best player in the world at the time. And I remember when when Neymar went from Barca to PSG, everyone was like, "This is the craziest transfer ever," and it kind of was in some ways in terms of the fee. But man, that. That Figo transfer shook Europe like it really was an absolute anomaly in the way it went down like you really would never see something would really have to go really really wrong if if Real Madrid were out to sign the best player in the world from Barcelona and bring him into the club for a world record fee again like it really was something just earth shattering at the time. Anyway, sorry for that long answer and kind of just maybe nonsensical cuz I ranted and went all over the place, but the Figo thing I am kind of passionate about because he was one of my favorite players of all time and he still is. Um and aesthetically, I don't know if I've ever seen a winger like him, like a pure winger. I you know, whether it's someone like Ryan Giggs um and obviously I'm not I'm not counting like some of the more modern wingers who are like inverted and like and they they do different things, but in terms of just a pure winger, like aesthetically, he was so smooth in his peak. And it was. Go back and just watch, like, Luis Vigo highlights from, I'd say, pff, maybe take the tail end of his Barcelona days. So let's say 1999 to 2001. Just, just unstoppable. Just really fun player. Anyways, I've, I've, uh, gone, gone on enough. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here before we. Log off and before you guys um, stop listening, just please consider supporting us through Patreon. We're doing a bunch of really fun shows uh, for our patrons only. So if, if you if you become a patron member, you get access to our loan tracker episode. So Matt Wiltsey and I we go through and we we give you updates. We watch every single game of our loanies, so you don't have to. So whether it's Odegaard, Oscar Rodriguez. Um, Teo Hernandez, Ashraf Hakimi, go down the list. Um, I think we have like nine, all, all in all. Uh, we go through and watch all those, give you an update on Tuesdays for our patrons, and also talk about some of, some tactics and other stuff that that we, we feel is relevant. Um, every Wednesday, we record a show for our patrons. So uh, midweek Champions League games, New La Liga games, Copa del Rey games, those post-game shows all go on Patreon and only Patreon. And, um, yeah, I think in December we have some fun things lined up, which I won't spoil for you yet, but they'll be fun. Um, one last thing before I wrap it up, shout out to all of our patrons, but especially our $10 patrons, because you get a specific shout out on this podcast. if you pledge $10 or more. So patreon.com slash managing Madrid, shout out to these $10 patrons. You guys are all amazing. Sway Ayala, Sergio Monleon, Tyler Dixon. Raul Gutierrez, Catherine Fagundo, Gary Kohut, Pena Marista, San Francisco Bay, Nicole Gant, Nick Stefani, Raghav Reddy, Tarek Sphere, Emily Woods, Raghav Potluri, Mark Rady, Bjorn Salvador, Dan Berthy, Christian Gonzalez, Sajid Reyes, John Fernandez, Frederick Sundros, Christian Toft, Anas Alazawi, Sheikh Atiri, Redbad. Oluwapamimo, Dunjoy, Leon Stavronakis, Armand Gashi, Rafael Servia, Eric Rogers, Sujay Wani, Nick Ribeiro, Shanmucha Manta, Willie Reed, Yahya Ibrahim, Said Mahad, Vicky Cohen, Zoraz Bosanchich, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Jeanette, Carolina Reyes, and Daniel Smith. F- fucking legends. Love you all. Alright, guys, this is Kian Sovani signing off, and Hala marir. Have you heard? Metro by T Mobile now includes Amazon Prime.